everybody and welcome to the Maya Minds podcast. I'm your host George and here at Maya Minds we want to demystify mental health and make sharing mainstream within the exercising and sporting community. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Just before we get started, I want to remind you that here on the My Minds podcast, we do often talk about eating disorders, body dysmorphia, exercise addiction, suicide, and other potentially triggering topics. Usually in the description below, I will write down what we talk about specifically in this episode. That being said, I do hope you enjoy this, but please do be careful. Hi, Mickey. How are you doing? Yes, not too bad. Thanks, mate. How are you doing? I'm I'm okay. I'm going to be honest with you. I was, we we had a brief chat before we started the pod, and I said I'd I'd tell you about my day on the pod. Um, I'm having a bit of a stress because I'm moving down to London for the ah. first time for my for my yeah. new job. Um, and I thought work wanted me to be there in January, so I've been like planning on you know moving down November December getting and then being ready for January. And then I found out today that actually they want me there in December. So everything's wow. been pushed forward by a month, which is stressful. Yeah. You still got two months though. So you you should be should have enough time, but it's just not going to plan. That's the it's hard when you've got something in mind of how you're gonna how how you want it to turn out and then someone kind of throws a spanner in the works. It's difficult, yeah. isn't it? Exactly. Where exactly. Whereabouts in London? Um, I'm thinking Clapham because that's where everyone's told me people go. Um, yeah, I've seen, not, yeah. yeah, I've seen a few flats in like Fulham area as well. Um, Very cool. So yeah, it doesn't. It look. And what's the job? If you don't mind me asking. Pardon. What's the job you're going for? Uh, I. I can tell you off the pod. I have the job, um, but the 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 people that I work with, uh, I spoke to their media team, and they would prefer me to keep everything separate. Otherwise, I have to be careful of what I say and, and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And I want to be relaxed on the pod, so I just thought I'll keep it's it all right, separate. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you can you you can know the secret post pod. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Mickey, um, I'm glad you're well. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, no we spoke on we spoke on the phone briefly, and and I think I imagine quite a few of the people who listen to the pod will have heard of you, you or your film that you've been creating. Because I feel like everyone mm-hmm. who listens to the pod is interested in this kind of stuff. But you're yeah. you're making the film bulking up. Um, I believe that's what it's called, right? Um, I hope I didn't get right. that wrong. Suddenly, yeah. Um, yeah it's called yeah, so can you tell us a little bit about the movie and then what it is that inspired you to do it? Sure. So Bulking Up is a short film. Um, so what that means is going to be roughly around 15 minutes. So it's quite a short, punchy film. Um, it was written by myself and it's being produced by a company called Firework Productions in collaboration with another company called Slick Films. And yeah, it was inspired partly by kind of my own experiences when I decided to bulk up kind of years ago. And in hindsight, I recognized that I had muscle dysmorphia because I became so obsessed with obviously bulking up and becoming muscular. Um, And it's combined with other people's stories as well, because after I kind of discovered the condition, I really like researched into it. And yeah, it was an eye opener. Like I began to see it all around me. Um, 
and yeah, that's what inspired me to to make the film because I feel like there is a massive pressure on young guys now to to bulk up and have these muscular physiques that no matter what the cost is. Um, yeah, I think yeah. everywhere you look, you're kind of bombarded with these images of the ideal body. And yeah, there's a lot of pressure to kind of take on these grueling fitness regimes and they're presented as positive. Mm. Whereas not for everyone, but you know, not everybody has a positive um, relationship with exercise. So yeah, the story of the film follows a guy that um, has muscle dysmorphia. We don't explicitly say in the film that he has that. Um, And yeah, you follow his story of why he's deciding to bulk up a new experience, kind of his insecurities and stuff with him and the grueling fitness regime that he put himself under. And you, you see his, uh, his life kind of spiral out of control because of his, his obsession with fitness. Yeah. And I think, I think a really good point you um, picked up on there is I think when you, when you realize that or when you kind of get into the, the you're enlightened, I suppose is the word to mus- muscle dysmorphia and these kind of muscularity yeah. oriented issues. I think you re- you suddenly realize how common they are, um, especially if you yeah. are a gym goer and someone who is in that world. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the the problem there is is that um, if you see somebody that looks muscular, they have this kind of immaculate physique. It's instantly regarded as being fit and healthy like people quick are very quick to mistake it as being like a positive thing mm. but then not for everyone it is like for a lot of people it's a upset like an obsessive behavior it's, it's addiction and like some of the stats that i've read is that there's an estimate they estimate that 10 percent of guys that go to the gym have muscle dysmorphia which is massive that's one in ten yeah yeah, and I think I think the, the study you're referring to as well. I think it was a, a BBC one. And it was in, so it was in the UK as well. So you know, a lot yeah. of people listen is you know it's that's in the UK. I think a lot of the stats that we end up reading about stuff tend to come from America. Um, yeah, but yeah, it is it is really common, <laughs> and it it makes sense when you speak because you know when you look at the the signs and symptoms of muscle dysmorphia and things. You know the um, constantly thinking about becoming more muscular. I think I think they estimate around three or more hours a day um you know doing uh, what they would describe as uncontrollable amounts of exercise so you have to exercise no matter what um influencing your life in a significant way so you miss out on parties or like seeing friends or whatever because you have to go to the gym and using like Mm -hmm. supplements excessively and things i think so many people do that Uh, like you know i think so many people would resonate with those those things yeah, definitely. I think if you kind of put a, those symptoms of it under a lot of people's noses, that they, they would see that in themselves. And I think one thing that um, with muscle dysmorphia, I think there's different degrees of it as well. It's a bit like anxiety. Like some people have like absolutely crippling, extreme anxiety, and then other people will have moderate anxiety. And I think I think you, there is that scale with body dysmorphia as well. So you you might have some guys that are very obsessive and you know it's having a detrimental impact on their life but they are able to function with it and then you obviously got guys that are at the extreme end of the scale that obviously get you know it's implementing it's having it's implementing their uh their relationships their jobs all those kind of things 
so yeah i think there was a scale with it as well yeah and that that's that's a really good point um that because i think the the issue is isn't it is where where's that line like where up along that scale does it become a problem like when do and i think the the kind of yeah. clinical side of it is when does it have a significant impact on your life but then how do you define like because that's different for everyone isn't it and um, yeah but i just think it's worth it's worth raising awareness for it because you know at least then even the people who aren't at that point at least they can become aware that they're going towards that and then maybe try and put that's things the thing. in so even if you've got it to a moderate degree that's still too much in my opinion and i think that like you said you could be on a slippery slope like getting more and more extreme and eventually it's going to have yeah it's going to impede on your life um i think i said implement a minute ago i meant impede i knew what you meant it's, I knew it's what five o'clock yeah you it's, been a, it's been a day it's been a whole day um yeah and it is so important so i guess i i hadn't really planned on asking you about this well at least i didn't put it in the kind of preparatory questions but i was going to ask you about it anyway what how how did you experience it like you know what what was kind of your your peak of it you know when it was at its worst like what was your kind of daily like daily routine yeah like? so it's probably when I decided to bulk up and this is exactly what the film is about. So that I did like an eight week bulking regime um, and I was eating calories a day, had a really like regimented fitness schedule. I had to go at least five or six times a week. Um, and touching on what you said a minute ago, I was thinking about it all the time. Like it was always on my mind thinking about when I was going to have my next meal, what I was going to have, how many calories would that be? And then what I was going to do in my, in my workout. And yeah, it was just quite like, it was constantly there in my mind at the forefront of my mind and weird things like, um, you know, I'd always check my reflect as much as I could. I was always comparing myself to other people, checking my own reflection. And it's weird. Like I always felt like, for example, if my t-shirt wasn't kind of tight around my biceps, I'd be really like insecure. It sounds bizarre. Like thinking about it now, it just sounds bizarre. Trust me, it doesn't. It doesn't sound bizarre to me. Like I, I get it one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you relate. But yeah, if they weren't tight around my biceps, then yeah, I'd feel really insecure. Or if like my my trousers were a bit tight, then I'd feel something. You know, I'd feel self-conscious about my stomach. All those things. So. You know, one of the, I think one of the symptoms is, you know, you kind of dress you, to kind of either camouflage yourself or accentuate certain parts of your body. And I certainly did that all the time. Um, yeah. And I, I, I was exactly the same. Um, my, I used to always wear um, quite loose fitting things. I think I was, I was someone who, who wanted to kind of camouflage it because I didn't think I looked yeah. like I, I wanted to. Um, but you picked up on some really kind of important parts of it. And I think it, you know, and obviously I'll kind of let you carry on in a minute, but I think the fact that you mentioned the, you know, there's the, the obsessive, like looking at yourself and checking like body checking that's mm -hmm. going on. There's yeah. the, the excessive amounts of training and there's also the, the disordered eating and the, you know, and I think that that's one that I find really kind of, as was interesting in, in a way is because the, 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 the eating behaviors that, um, you know, it's, I would say it's predominantly men, although we do know women, women, um, have these kind of muscle oriented issues as well. Um, mm. but 
you know, the, these disordered behaviors, if it is a guy doing it, nobody sees it as disordered. If you're, you're oh. eating 5,000, 4,000, whatever calories a day, and then suddenly eating le- loads less in your, in your, in inverted commas cutting phase, you know, yeah. that, that kind of like sudden fluctuation is seen as normal. But yeah. I think if you saw that in anyone else, who wasn't into like muscle building. You'd be like, that's, that yeah. can't be right. Again, it's the people just quickly, quickly mistaking it for being fit and healthy and yeah, not question like you said, they just don't question it at all. Um, and yeah, another one thing that kind of alarmed me while I was doing it, and it was kind of a bit of a wake up call for me, was how complimentary people were of me. Like, because they'd obviously seen that physical progression and the results. I remember that a couple of occasions where I just bumped into people and people were kind of like, surprised that um like a guy down the gym kind of asked how i was doing it and was really impressed by my results and all this kind of stuff and i was thinking okay i I couldn't really see that anyway and also i felt like shit like i was shitting five times a day i had stomach cramps all the time um I had a black, like a lot of bladder infections as well, probably from the amount of protein I was eating. I was having these like mass cal- uh, mass calorie shakes, bulking shakes, yeah, and they were like eight hundred calories a shake. And that, at the time, I thought I was being like dedicated and ambitious and doing a positive thing, yeah, and a healthy thing. It's promoted as healthy. And a healthy you're trying thing, to build muscle, yeah. yeah. I bought it off like a protein website that you know is for people into health and fitness. But yeah, it made it wreaked havoc with obviously my my in, insides. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's those those, those like po- those positive. I think people think if you're saying a again in air quotes positive thing about someone, saying oh you look good, then it can't mm-hmm. do any harm. But mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if this is how you experienced it as well. But for me, um, what that meant was oh now I look like this. You're being nicer to me, and you like me now. So that meant that before. I must have looked in a way that you didn't like me as much. And you, so yeah. if I, if I undo what I've just done, then I'm shit again. And you're not going to bother giving me compliments or paying attention to me. And then, yeah, and then it, 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 like yeah. for me, that just made, that just meant now I've got this fear of if I, if I lose this muscle I've gained, or if I gain the fat back that I've, you know, after being le- like leaning down now, yeah. suddenly like, you're not going to respect me as much. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel that as well. Yeah, because it's like once once you've got to that point, it's like, well, I can't go back now. I've just got to continue and continue. And that's, I guess, for a lot of people, that's where that vicious cycle comes from. As you know, you see people do it every year. They bulk, then they cut, and they bulk, then they cut. And it's like, when when do you end? Um, and you see a lot of guys as well that will just do it for, you know, that summer body as well. So you know, they'll just they'll hit the gym really hard just. Re- for that week in Ibiza or whatever they're going to do there's no kind of long-term plan yeah yeah getting themselves in that vicious cycle and I think it is just that like that initial moment that initial one and then you get all this positive feedback or you you get all these people saying whatever um Mm -hmm. and then it puts you into that cycle like like you say that there's this the classic is the bulk and cut cycle that we see a lot of bodybuilders doing and things and I'm sure that that it can be um fine in some i'm sure some people can can disassociate from it and be fine with it or you know, even if that's fine i don't know um but you know, for a lot of people it's that constant 
cyclical body dissatisfaction. I'm mm-hmm. going to eat more food and get bigger, but now I'm fat. And I'm like, I'm bigger, yeah. but I'm fat now. So what I'll do is I'll do a cut. Oh, now I'm lean, but I'm small. And so, and then, so it's just constant, like you're just going round and round in circles. That's it. And like when I, when I did the bulking, that's one thing I've become self-conscious about is the kind of fat that you put on. I was like, shit, now I've got to get rid of that. And like, yeah, I just don't think there's ever, well, which is the classic thing of muscle dysmorphia. I don't think you can ever reach a point where you're like completely happy with the way you look. It's just a constant battle with it. Yeah. Yeah. The classic, the classic phrase is, um, as soon as you start training, that's when that's the first day you're forever small, mm-hmm. uh, and it is just the case you're you're never gonna be good enough. And I suppose yeah. this is a good segue. Again, it's not something I was planning on talking about, but um, and and this, you know, so what we're looking for is to try and get bigger, but also get leaner at the same time. And that's Rich. why I think a lot of people turn to steroids. Because that's one of the very few ways mm-hmm. that you can do it. You know, if if not the only way. Yeah, yeah, you can't do that otherwise. Hundred percent. And that, yeah, and I think as steroids is an interesting topic because you know, I think they're they're in this weird category of drug where mm-hmm. if someone takes like heroin or something, we all agree that that's really bad. And we, okay, so they must be having some like horrible addiction and we need to, you know, if they want help, we can give them help. And here's all these different ways that you can get help. But if someone takes steroids, I think the, the way we deem it in society is they're just these like big headed, narcissistic, like cocky gym bros. So who, who gives a yeah. shit? Yeah, and I think in, in general, when you people look at guys that obviously become really muscular and have you know you know like gym bunnies if you like people do see them as kind of arrogant and just kind of self-obsessed when actually it's probably the opposite they're actually really insecure and them getting muscular and you know some people kind of present as like a bit arrogant they have that facade and that's exactly what it is it's just a bravado to cover their insecurities which is obviously something that a lot of men do in society anyway you kind of expect it to be tough and i think that's why a lot of guys end up having muscle dysmorphia as well it's part of being a man looking muscular being big yeah yeah and that 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 was a big thing for me was i think you know and i think it's one of the reasons why it seemed to me more common in in men and that there is some kind of research looking at it in women as well, which maybe I can talk about later, but, um, you know, I think, I think for a lot of guys that is that, that masculinity issue, um, Mm -hmm. like, like we know that there's, there's a common kind of theme with people who experience muscle dysmorphia or muscle related body image issues or whatever you want to call it, um, is that they, they think they have some kind of discrepancy to what is the masculine, like ideal. So like, you know, you're brought up being told this is what a man is. Um, and then mm-hmm. you, you, as you're growing up, you, you learn, or at least you, you internalize the fact that you're not that. So you've got to yeah. find some way to be that. And that's what it was. That's yeah, what, that's what it was for me. Okay. Really? That's, mm. inter- that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that would resonate with a lot of guys. What about you? Is, is yeah. that not something that you, you relate to? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think kind of you always have this picture of what a kind of guy should look like when you 
like when like when you grow up you think well i'm going to look like that and that's kind of like the ideal way to look and it's kind of, it's all around us like that ideal image of a guy is always big and strong and muscular um and yeah uh, yeah like that does reson- resonate with me definitely i think i think that's also one of the reasons why um why it's like society just doesn't see it as a bad thing or like at least it's mm-hmm. one of my one of my thoughts or theories about it is that you know because the the masculine standard like the kind of general idea of what a man should be is muscular therefore if guys are doing something to try and obtain that that's fine even if it's a disordered behavior mm-hmm. um like i don't i don't know about you but when i was in the kind of my like bodybuilding world i saw if someone could could lift so many reps that they threw up or they lifted so much that they fainted or something i mm. saw i saw that as a a cheat i saw that as like wow they're amazing yeah. i thought that was i thought that was the ideal and it's just so insane to me that that's it's just i mean it's not insane like i get it because i was i was there but yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. so accepted yeah no i see that um i i kind of didn't have that mentality of kind of like throwing up or anything like that but i definitely think you can see that people will see it as a positive to push yourself to the absolute limit so whether that is you know throwing up or you know aching so badly that you can't walk the next day that's got obviously a that's a classic one yeah and people see that all as positives kind of just pushing yourselves to yeah to to the edge yeah how many memes do you see about leg day and like trying to sit on the toilet after leg day or something yeah 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 and you think wow that's not good really is it trying to push yourself that much even if you yeah even to the extent that you're aching so badly the next day it's just yeah it's mad because i always felt like when i had that achy feel that feel the next day you feel like oh I've done good. I must have done really good, even though you can't like lift up a pen the next day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and that that's interesting because yeah, and again, I don't want to I don't want to put like blanket statements over all this stuff because that that's like a you know like do you think that is always banned or like you know because you know striving to to ache because you think it's going to grow your muscles, but then I suppose again mm-hmm. it's one of those things where there's a line, isn't there? There's a fine line where yeah, I think kind of everything in moderation. I think I'm, I'm kind of, um, what I'm saying is like the extreme, like where you can barely walk, or even when you in, like you injure yourself or something like that. But yeah, I think if you have a bit of an ache the next day, it does show you've done. You know, you have worked out and you are progressing. Did you ever get injured with during your kind of your muscle stuff? And how did you yeah, react to that? Yeah, so. Um, one time I was doing shoulder pressings and I was pushing and pushing myself and I was lifting too heavy. I was lifting way too heavy. Um, and my my left shoulder just collapsed on me. And I rested for like a day, I think, and then just went back to it. And I remember speaking to guys down the gym and they were like, I remember speaking to someone and we we're talking about injuries and stuff and they were like, no, you just got to push through. You just got to push through. Just, you know, it'll go away if you push through. Yeah, yeah, and that really, you should rest for a couple of weeks. Yeah, and that's but that's the narrative, isn't it? Just push. Yeah, if if you miss out on you know a week's workout, 
you, I would have seen that as, you know, complete catastrophe back then if I had to miss a week. Yeah. Whereas now if I got injured, you know, quite happy to take a couple of weeks off. You've got, you, you have to, you mm. have to. That, that's really good that you're in that. So would you say right now you're in, you're in like a much better place with it? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Um, it's, that was quite a, a while ago for me now, like kind of seven, seven odd years ago. I think sometimes you st- like it creeps up on you. You kind of start to feel a bit insecure about yourself, but yeah, across the board, I'm pretty in a pretty good place. I'd say definitely. That's good. That's good. Kind of, I think it's always going to be there. It will always will kind of linger there in the background, mm-hmm. but yeah, you just got to, um, and I think kind of speaking to a lot of people like people like yourself and doing the film and really researching into it really helped me and realized that, I had a problem and yeah, it's helped me gain control of it. Hmm. Why do you think that is? Yeah. Why do you think learning about it has helped you gain control of it? To understand that what I was doing wasn't a positive thing and recognizing each of those, like, what do you want to call them? Symptoms, I guess. Like, for example, it's weird when I, it was probably a couple of years after I'd kind of bulked up, I come across a story about a guy that um, was on steroids and he kind of collapsed and died um, at a very young age from steroid abuse. And then it was from then I discovered things about muscle dysmorphia. And I remember reading about the symptoms and like, it was like a checklist. Like I was like, oh shit, tick, that was me, tick getting irritated at your friends and family, tick, avoiding social situations, tick, constantly checking your reflection, tick, thinking about it all the time, tick. And I was like, shit, yeah, that was me. Um, And I think that's helped me not want to go back to that and realising it was a bad thing to do, not a positive thing. Does that make yeah. sense? Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. It does. So I think, uh, yeah, I, I think. A bit, I <laughs> no, no, I think you did brilliant. I think you did really well. I think um, that at least the way the way I understood that was, and I think it is common that um, you know, when you're developing this kind of muscle dysmorphia, I'm just going to call it muscle dysmorphia from now on. It's not technically correct, but um, you know, when when if when you develop this muscle dysmorphia, you're in, you're internalizing some beliefs. You're you know, this this is you know. Ma- training to for my in my case training when i until i'm sick is a good thing or for mm-hmm. you it was you know training even though i'm injured is is the right thing to do etc mm-hmm. and and though that internalization of those beliefs is what you build it on isn't it it's, it's kind of the foundation yeah, for everything yeah. so you would mm-hmm. understanding it has helped you kind of pick apart those things and be like actually that's probably not a good thing and that's probably not a good 100%. thing and, yeah yeah that's exactly yeah that's exactly it definitely yeah i I think i think oh go on sorry other things i kind of did back then um because just got going back to your original question i was constantly measuring as well like i'd measure my biceps and my thighs and log the progress log my weight i think i put in in two months i put on 10 kilos it was about 10 kilos which that's crazy putting on 10 kilos in such a short amount of time. That's not good for you. But I, back then I thought that was good. I thought that I'd achieved, but yeah, looking back, that's yeah, it's, it's bad. Um, what else did I do back then? And I, I think it all stemmed from 
Just to, sorry, sorry, just to put in really quickly, but just for Go clarity on. of people listening, just because I know some people who listen to this might have some kind of like disordered eating and things like that. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. if, there, are, there are certain situations where gaining weight is okay. And, and it, we're not trying to say that, you know, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not okay. Uh, I know obviously you're just saying from your personal perspective, but I just thought I'd put yeah. that kind of disclaimer out there for people listening. Yeah. Nice one. Yeah. Yeah. From my point of view, I think, cause I was a healthy weight before that. So to kind of, for me to put on that amount of weight, cause it, and like I was saying, I was eating 4,000 calories a day and it wasn't doing me good. Like, like I said, I was having all these stomach cramps, bladder problems, bowel issues. So yeah, it definitely wasn't a good thing for me to put on yeah. that weight in that time. Yeah. Um, what was your original question? Why, why I did it as well? Uh, yeah, I, I suppose so. I just kind of wanted to understand like what it was like for you, what the experience was. Yeah, well, when I was going through, I thought I was doing a positive thing and I really... I really went for it like big time and I would put things on hold as well. Like I've got a really good, obviously network, a family network and um, girlfriend and stuff and the friends and people always wanted to do things. And a lot of time I'd push back and wouldn't want to do them because I was, I would panic about, you know, what that would, how that would impact my, my regime and my nutrition log. So like if, for example, we did go out and we did go out to eat, I would kind of panic about what I was going to eat and I would kind of scan the menu thinking, and I wouldn't be reading it thinking, oh, that sounds nice. I'd be thinking, how much protein is in that? How much fat's in that? Is that going to send me over or under? And you shouldn't be reading the menu like that. You should be reading it to, you know, something that you're going to enjoy yeah. to the taste, not just the nutritional content. So yeah, it's all all things like all those things would be happening in one day. Thinking about how you how you looked in in your t-shirt, whether it, it was tight enough or loose enough. Constantly thinking about what you're going to eat, your your gym regime. Um, yeah, constantly comparing yourself, looking at your reflection. It kind of yeah, it consumed your days really. Yeah. And that that's the yeah. I think that's the perfect way to sum it up is it just consumes you, doesn't it? It's it it, does. it's not just a, a hobby or a thing that adds to your life. It is your life. Yeah. And, and everything else suddenly becomes an obstacle for the, the goal that is to try and become more muscular. That's it. Yeah, definitely. And I said I said with the the whole like um because that's another thing that I, I I think about this a lot because it's my big area of interest, but um you know, because bodybuilders and things, they, they obviously track their macros and track their nutrition and, and, you know, that can be okay. And mm-hmm. but I think, I think, you know, at least what I, what I think is that the line there, the issue is that for us and, and, and you know, at least I'm, I'm assuming, because from what you just said, we, we couldn't um, look at a menu or look at food and, and think how much we'd enjoy it there was there was no option it was only we have to track it has to, yeah, like, yeah. there was there was no moment where i could be like oh this will be fine unless 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 actually unless i i titled it a cheat meal again in inverted commas i was, I was just about to say that i would put in like cheat days but even then even though you'd put them in i still went away feeling guilty or yeah, un- yeah, dissatisfied of what I've eaten. Yeah, yeah, and that, that about it. and that's the thing. And it, it, this is a, another thing that I think about a lot is that 
um because so for in like i i'm I, th- I think i'm diagnosed with binge eating disorder um it's uh, the doctor once told me that um he will it's a long story but he basically he he said that i don't look like someone with with an eating disorder and then like look it was just a horrible moment but long story but yes yeah, so i think i have binge eating disorder but part of like binge eating disorder is you 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 eat like a an uncontrollable amount and then you feel like guilt and shame about it afterwards yeah, yeah. and and that's what that's what's pushed with the the cheat meals is you yeah. could like like put this a lot of time in eat as much as you possibly can uncontrollably and but then afterwards also you are a bit of a piece of shit for doing that and you probably yeah, yeah, should have yeah. stuck to your diet and you should feel guilty and shameful yeah that's it and you hear so many conversations at the gym as well i remember one guy saying well one thing you can do you can either have one cheat meal a week or you can have one cheat cheat day every two weeks and it was like so structured and yeah like, like you're saying you just go all out on these days but then still come come away feeling like you shouldn't have done it yeah and it was for, for me anyway it was it was disguised from my my binge eating disorder like it Mm. Um, you know, I, I now, I, I think, you know, there's the muscularity oriented disordered eating, which I, I'm, I'm hoping one day will become a diagnosable form of an eating disorder. And I think really I would fall under that, but right now we don't understand it enough to, to yeah. be able to do that. Okay. Um, but yeah, so much of my, my, yeah, just eating disorder was hidden behind. This is what people who are into bodybuilding. This is what people who mm. are into getting massive do. Um, yeah. And that's just how it all, it, it started off as that. And that's why I worry about it. And I think people often think, and I, I, I really want to try and make this conversation not shitting on the gym culture because there are bits of it, like obviously there are a lot of healthy stuff in there. Yeah, and there's, 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 there, there are a lot of people who go into it and they really have a healthy relationship with exercise and, and their nutrition and everything. Hmm. But there are a lot of things pushed that are disordered just in, like they just are. And yeah, that doesn't mean yeah. you're going to become a, a have an eating disorder or anything, but it's not, it's definitely not helping you not get one. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it just that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Cause I guess if, if you look at that stat, that 10% of guys have what have muscle dysmorphia, well then 90% of people that go to the gym have a healthy relationship with it. But yeah, I do agree with you. There's definitely still elements of it that aren't, that aren't healthy. Yeah. That are from, that are from, yeah that are pressured and also obsessive i would say yeah, yeah i think i think that. we we really need a study that looks at like like longitudinally so like people um studying people who are just starting the gym and then studying them again in like six months time and then a year's time and then three mm. years time so obviously it's going to be a huge research project but like just to see how people develop on average you know if, that, yeah. if someone could do that it'd be incredible yeah um, just to see how the gym culture affects people yeah, definitely. Yeah. See how it affects their mentality. Yeah. That'd be really interesting. Because I think, I think there's also, you know, and um, I'll go back onto the the movie and stuff soon. Um, Cause I know we've got off on one here, but there's also stuff about like, there's you heard of orthorexia before. Yeah. I have. Yeah. Yeah. So that idea of your good foods and bad foods for people who don't know listening. Um, it, it's basically, a, it's basically a form of eating disorder. Um, I don't think it's yet diagnosable, but I think it's close to being, I'm not, I'm not really sure, but it's about, yeah, it's basically about obsessively thinking of certain foods of, as bad foods and certain foods as good foods. And that's what the, like the, how many Instagram posts do you see of like yeah. the good food versus alternative healthy option? Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, yeah. It's everywhere really. And when you turn on 
Instagram and stuff, it's just all over it. Yeah. If you're in the fitness world, it is just, it's just, it's just crazy. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just a, it's just, I, yeah, it scares me when I look into it now, now with the kind of new eyes that I have and seeing yeah. it from this different perspective, it kind of freaks me out. Yeah. It's like you've had your eyes opened, really, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of why I started my minds was, you know, to, to try and help or the, the, the kind of slogan is to demystify mental health. Yeah. So, you know, trying to, yeah, just because I think it is mystical, like we don't fully yeah. understand what it is to be mentally healthy in the gym. Cause a lot of mm-hmm. it is still quite addictive and disordered. Yeah. And so where, where do we go? Um, but anyway, back to the film. So how, how have you started filming or like how, yeah, how does. No, so we're still raising funds. So we did a, a crowdfunder um, a couple of months back. We didn't hit our targets and now we're doing it through a GoFundMe campaign. Okay. Um, so yeah, we're still very much in in the uh, in the raising the budget stages of of um, of the film, which is a long process. Like, yeah. you know, I don't know how long, much longer it's going to take us, but yeah, um, we've got we've got about fifteen thousand to raise. So I think we've got between three and four thousand so far. Um, but yeah, a little way to go, and then hopefully film in in the new year. We haven't had obviously COVID on our side. That's been against us as well, which has pushed things back massively. Um, a lot of funding bodies and stuff shut down last year or massively rained back. So, yeah, it's been. I mean, raising funds for it to make films anyway is bloody hard work. But typically, like with COVID on top, it's just ten times as hard. So yeah, we're still in the the process of raising funds um, the script and the team and everything is ready to go so hopefully in the new year we'll be shooting hopefully hopefully um yeah. can you send me the the link to it i'll put it in the description for the pod so yes can... we'll do mate yeah yeah amazing Great. so everyone listening pause the pod right now go give some money and then come <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> um so you mentioned like kind of earlier in the pod about how during this kind of prepping for the film you've learned more about um, muscle dysmorphia and you've kind of you, you it's been helping your stuff is there, is there anything you've um anything that kind of shocked you whilst you've been learning or whilst you've been kind of delving into it and speaking to people um yeah there has been things that have shocked me um so obviously years ago when i come across that story of the guy that um had an uh, issue with steroids and suffered a heart attack. So he suffered one heart attack, um, then carried on training and carried on abusing steroids and then died of another heart attack. So that was one of the biggest things that, that shocked me. Um, and then since then, since doing the, like, the crowdfunding and stuff, I've spoken to so many different people. So obviously, like I spoke to yourself um, and I spoke to a few other guys that have experienced this as well and yeah some of the stories that i've heard have been really like alarming um so i've I've been speaking to a guy that's been going through it right now and yeah i will kind of won't share like the details of it but yeah it's been an eye-opener and yeah it definitely has shocked me and i one thing i realized is that i think i went through it quite to a moderate degree Whereas most of the people that I've spoke to have been through it a lot more extremely. 
and that has pushed me to make want to make this film even more because I think there's lots of guys out there that are probably experiencing it like me. And that could eventually turn into something even more extreme, like we discussed earlier. So, yeah, it's definitely been an eye opener. Definitely. Do you, do you think? Like, what do you think the difference was between you and the people who, who went more extreme? Like, what, what what do you think stopped you from getting to that that point? Do you know what? I could, I was asked this question actually in an interview. I don't know. I really don't know. I don't think I could put my finger on it. Um. Yeah. I. What one thing I said at the time was like having really supportive friends and family and a girlfriend and stuff, but pe- people that have had more extreme circumstances have had that same network as well. So I think that's unfair to say that. Yeah, it could be. It could be the like you seem like a very kind of articulate person. So maybe I don't know your kind of ability to articulate the way you're feeling to other people might. Maybe, maybe. Um, I probably wasn't as open back then, though, so I'm, I'm not sure. Okay. One thing that did um, did help was a bit random, actually. So in the, the bulking stage, so I did eight weeks bulking, and then right at the end of um, the bulking regime, I got a, a theatre job. So I had to go away touring. In this. Oh, okay. So I, I bulked up for throughout November and December with the plan to kind of cut from January onwards. Yeah. And I ended up getting this little theatre job, um, which I think was about two months. Yeah, it was January and February. So I literally didn't have time to be thinking about the gym, be thinking about what I was eating and stuff. I still, I mean, I was the only person on this little theatre tour that took a a weight bench and weights with me. Mm. So I was still obviously constantly thinking about it, but it, it, it was nowhere near as bad. So it yeah. become more moderate. So I think that kind of saved me as well. Mm. Yeah, and it almost. Oh, sorry. Go on. I was going to say it almost. It almost sounds like because in in the you know, different kinds of therapy and stuff, they use they use like exposure therapy, where you just kind of if you, if you expose someone to the thing that they're they're afraid of doing. So in your case, not training, then mm. they kind of they kind of get used to it and they become yeah. okay with it. So it's almost yeah. like you were forced into the thing you were scared of. Well, this is it. And one of the things I realized when I was doing this theater tour, is like, this is not a lifestyle that you can maintain. Like there's literally not enough time in the day to have like a career and this, this regimented fitness regime, like there's no, not enough hours in the day. Like it wasn't, I realized then it wasn't practical. Um, and one of the weird things I'd say is that obviously going into acting was one of the biggest pressures that made me want to kind of bulk up and get this body. And then weirdly was one of the things that got me out of it as well, having this theatre tour. So yeah, mm. kind of bittersweet there with that. Yeah. So I t- talk to me about the the kind of pressures in acting. Why, why do you think it is that, is it, do you think it's more so in acting than in other professions or? Yeah, I think obviously because acting is very, image focused and for, for example um some of the workshops and the stuff i've done in terms of acting they, they talk about your casting type and how to kind of amplify your your casting type as well how to get seen for the right things and all that kind of stuff and i remember doing this workshop and they kind of said to me and we we're talking about casting types and they kind of said to me in so many words that if i got in really good shape 
and had a real good physique, that would make me stand out and would work really well with the roles that I should be going up for. So then I was like, shit, I need to, you know, I need to look like, I don't know who, Chris Hemsworth or someone like that, then I'd be getting worked, you know what I mean? So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of toxic messages in that industry. Girl, like, girls have had it for years. Yeah. Um, always being told to kind of lose weight and be really skinny, all that kind of stuff. And it start, I think it's happening for guys as well in the last couple of decades where you, you're, yeah, you're being encouraged to look a certain way. Um, yeah. And one thing I chatted to someone about the other day was when you look at TV programmes, they... I, I feel like TV shows have a responsibility to accurately portray portray people. And I, I, a couple of years ago, something really stood out for me. So I watched a, a program called The Bodyguard. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. It was. Um, I think I've seen a movie called it, but not a TV program. No, so it was a TV show um, on the BBC, and the main character was like a, a security guard for a politician. Um, so and he literally just got into this job. So he was working like. 14, 15, 16 hour days, he was waking up really early. The only times when you saw him eat, he was like eating takeaways or just shoving sandwiches down his face. He also had a drinking problem because he had PTSD. So like when he went home, he'd just be chugging beer. Yet in the sex scenes, when he took his shirt off, he had a shredded. six pack. Yeah. yeah, absolutely shredded. And actually the actor that played him had to go through quite a rigorous fitness regime to get in shape for that part. And I just thought, how are they justifying him looking like that? Mm. When it has, and it had no relevance to the story. And, and it can, think, that puts pressure on, like it puts pressure on all men who watch it. And I think exactly, it, but especially exactly. actors like yourself. Yeah. It, well, no, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Like it puts pressure on everyone because a lot of the times when you watch TV, the the main characters or like the love interest or all those kind of characters, they always have that physique. So I yeah. think for young guys watching TV now, and they're like, "Oh shit, I need to look like that. That's what I should look like." Yeah. And have you have you read the book, um, The Adonis Complex? I've read bits of it. Yeah. yeah. So I need to buy it completely. Yeah, it's yeah. Fa- it's fantastic. Um, for people listening, it was I I know one of the authors was Harrison Pope, who's like one of the original. I think it is literally the original um person to to kind of uncover muscle dysmorphia they originally called it reverse anorexia yeah which is quite interesting and um, but in the in the book they talk about how you know, one of their theories is this how how media has has pushed this muscular ideal onto oh, men 100%. and one one of the ways that they um show it happening is through toys so they have like little toy yes. figures have you seen yes this? yeah superheroes and stuff yeah yeah and how the toy they've made i can't remember the exact measurements but they measured like the yeah the same way you see in barbie dolls how the waist is always like super like if they were a human it wouldn't even exist it was yeah. the same with the guy like the male action figures where their chests were just huge and their arms were massive and mm-hmm. it showed the contrast from like the the 90s to the 2000s and it just was mm-hmm. humongous and that's what our kids are seeing that's it and it's a bit like i just mentioned superheroes so if you look at like the batmans and supermans and i don't know the 50s and 60s like batman he just had like his leotard or whatever you want to call it on and he had a little bit of a pot belly and then gradually over time he's become more and more muscular and you, you see that like not just in superheroes but kind of across the board yeah 
in all characters that the image has become the most important attribute of them yeah because in, in some ways i suppose that the the superheroes at least the the male superheroes are the the masculine ideal aren't they they're supposed to be you know like almost perfect they're tough and dedicated and it used to just be that that's all they were like you said you know, they could just have anybody and they just wear the thing but they're still brave yeah. and and yeah. everything and that's that's what makes them great but now it's all that stuff but also they look they're jacked or oh, that's another yeah. thing um so it kind of i think it feeds into us that to be a man you have to be jacked yeah and i think i think sometimes there's exceptions so like if if for example like the superhero thing the way they looked was an exception to the rest of like the characters you see on in f- films and TV, but it's not like across the board, the lead characters, the romantic characters always look like that. Yeah. And so, even, even the, the, I think the cases where they don't like the, the, the times there are like a skinny guy, it's always like, that's always weird. It's always like, Oh, isn't it weird? He's all skinny and he still gets the girl. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like he's triumphed um, despite the fact of how he looks. It, there's no, it's not, you know, he's got that because of his success or his personality or something. Yeah, I, yeah, I hear it's, you on that one. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's a crazy one. Um, I feel like I could talk to you about this forever. Uh, so yeah. I, I feel like I'm going to start kind of moving on to the the um, questions and um, like sure. later on. But um, one I did want to ask just for the people listening um we we now kind of know how we can help out and we've got the funding in the bottom do we have a rough estimate when it'll come out or is there is there anywhere people can can um look on is there like a website or something that people can follow the progress of it yeah well the the best place to follow the progress of it would be our socials so on instagram and uh twitter so once we go into kind of production we'll be posting updates then um and then obviously once um it's finished and we have some ideas of when we're going to release it. That's obviously, we'll put that information in there. So that's the best place to, to follow us. I can give you the, the handles now. If you read them out, I'll also, I'll also put them down in the description as well. So people can copy and paste. Nice one. So the Instagram one is at bulking up short film. And then our Twitter page is da, 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 da at bulking underscore up fantastic yeah so I'll, like i said i'll put them in the description as well um people go go give them a follow um and yeah so mickey it is time for the devil's advocate it's the devil's advocate <laughs> okay so <laughs> for the people who this is their first episode listening this is a new segment in the podcast um that i've brought in there's a little theme tune um which people have already heard now um but it's basically because whenever i bring people on the pod it's always because i think they're cool and the the podcast is basically just me agreeing with them the whole time <laughs> so i brought in this section the devil's advocate <laughs> yeah exactly where i can ask a controversial question that's going against what they say yeah and to kind of to change it up a little bit so today's devil's advocate question is don't you think all this focus on muscle dysmorphia is steering people away from great traits such as dedication and self-control not at all so people that have 
muscle dysmorphia or any kind of body dysmorphia, they don't have control. That's the difference. So I think talking about muscle dysmorphia and body dysmorphia helps them differentiate between the people that do have control over their, their fitness regimes and those that don't. So people that have disorders, it, that's, that controls them, like we've said. It consumes them. Um, I think the main difference is like exercise should be kind of integrated into your life and it should help, it should benefit your, your life. You know, it should have a good impact on your relationships and your career and all the rest of it. Whereas people with muscle dysmorphia, that controls them and it has, it impedes on their life. It has a detrimental effect on their relationships and their careers and all the rest of it. Um, and I think there's nothing wrong with being dedicated and stuff like that, but you have to have control of that. Yeah. And people that have these disorders like muscle dysmorphia and body dysmorphia, they don't have control. That's the, that's the big difference. Cause I would say now, like as a person, I'm still, I'm still into fitness, but I have control over it. I still have like a dedication to it, but not an obsession. Yeah. It. Yeah. And again, it's one of the, it's one of those things where it's like a fine line, isn't it? Of like, what's, what is dedication and what's obsession? But I think mm. the, the difference is, 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 and cause I'm, in, I'd say I'm in a similar place to you. The difference is now I can wake up and think like, I did say I was going to go to the gym, um, but I'm actually just really sore or really tired and I can decide not to, and I can feel okay with that. And it yeah. doesn't, I don't feel incredibly shameful or guilty or like, yeah, I don't hate myself because of it that's it like sometimes now I ha I think like I have a plan for the week of when I'm working and when I'm going to go to the gym and because because I freelance sometimes a job will come in last minute then I'm quite happy that actually that day I'm not going to go to the gym now because I've got a job on and it doesn't impact me yeah and it doesn't it's before, oh, sorry before it like that would have panicked me I'd be thinking fuck when the hell am I going to get to the gym like or I might even have said no to a job to to obviously prioritize my to prioritize the fitness. Mm, yeah, and it doesn't so that doesn't take away, doesn't yeah it doesn't take away from the fact that you can have dedication. Like this morning, I woke up and I, I thought, oh, you know, I can't be arsed. But then I thought, no, like I I I do I like I do like going to the gym and I, I feel like I'll enjoy it. So you can still like be dedicated and still you know sometimes you wake up and think I'm a bit tired, but you think you know what I'm going to go anyway because I want to and because I enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. That's that's still allowed. We're not saying that you shouldn't do that. Like I think that's a great trait. It's just it's but just I, like I think yeah, like you said, like dedication. I think when you talk about like fitness, I think fitness overall is a, like such a positive thing it has a, like a positive impact on on your mental health like it's so important for not only you physically but like i just said like your mental health as well so having some sort of goals or something within that is fine but it's when it slips to obsession i think that's the key word when it when it becomes obsessive yeah and that that's again it's a difficult difficult um thing because i think in the gym in at least in the culture that i got into i think i went quite i got quite deep in um mm. but the word obsessed was thrown around as a as a positive thing like i used to mm. and I'm, I'm definitely not trying to shit on him at all because i love this man um or at least you know i used to watch him all the time but there's a guy called ct fletcher 
um, who I used to watch all the time, who was this big like bodybuilder guy and he was like a motivational speaker. And he used to always say, you have to be obsessed with this. You have to be obsessed. Otherwise you're not going to be what you want to be. And like, that's just ingrained into you. But I think that it's, yeah. it's again, it's what you define obsession as. And I think, I think what he's trying to say is you, if you want to like get this, you know, whatever physique, if you want to be successful in the thing you're doing, then you have to, you know, it has to be a priority for you. It has to be up there. But mm-hmm. I, I think the difference is it shouldn't be your only priority. It shouldn't be the only thing about you that's important. There should be yeah. all, should be other things in that foundation that you can build off of. There should be your friends and your family. There should be the fact that you, I don't know, like to cook or the fact that you like to read about dinosaurs. I don't know, whatever. Like yeah. you, should have, you should have things that, you also think are cool about you and also like about yourself Um, and you can still push yourself in the gym with that uh, but just have other things as well that are just as important yeah definitely and i i think it's everything in moderation right that's what i think yeah yeah i agree i agree um mickey we are coming towards the end of the podcast um, as I said, I, I feel like I could, there's about a bazillion other things I could talk to you about. <laughs> um, yeah. Maybe I'll get a phone call the other, like, a few weeks back. We're yeah. Rages, weren't we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just, it's such a passionate thing of mine and obviously of yours as well. And I think, yeah, we could just talk yeah. forever, but I like to keep, try and keep these podcasts um, to like around one hour if possible. And I think we're around there now. Um, so I ask everyone who comes on, the podcast final three questions Mm -hmm. the first question is name a person either real or fictional who inspires you this is a kind of kind of off topic actually but stephen graham the actor is my like kind of favorite actor and every role i see him in um i absolutely love so yeah in terms of kind of acting he's like my trajectory can't say that word you know what i'm trying to say yeah I do. <laughs> yeah so he inspires me maf- massively i recently saw him in i don't know if you watched time with sean bean as well and i don't think i have but yeah, yeah it's a really really good show i'd recommend it um mm. and i want to watch him in help as well he did a, a film with jody coma about mm. the pandemic so yeah is his yeah he inspires me amazing i feel like i feel like actors see actors in a different way to the rest of the population like i just see them as their kind of characters and maybe there's an occasional one that i'm like oh i like all the movies yeah. that person's in but i feel like you you see like the artistry and the technique that's it and also people that are from similar backgrounds as well there's a massive thing in the acting industry at the minute of there's a lack of kind of working class actors so you know it's always been dominated by kind of middle class upper class because it's so expensive to do and he's obviously from a working class background so yeah that's one of the other reasons that he inspires me amazing amazing so question two is a phase of your life that you didn't like at the time but looking back you know positives came from it so the the recent crowdfunder i did it was so stressful i'm not gonna lie um it's the first time i did one and yeah, it was super hard trying to raise money in in the current climate. It's, it's obviously difficult, um, but yeah, it was a huge task with a, a very very ambitious um, target, and it was yeah super stressful. But the positives that come out of it 
has met people like you. So I met so many people. I chat. I think you've chatted to Suzanne as well, who's. I had I, I spoke I had a, a Zoom call with her. I spoke to journalists. I've been speaking to other people that uh, experienced dysmorphia, other filmmakers. Like it's connected me to so many people, and has given me the drive to obviously follow through and make this film. So even though it was a very very stressful time, so many positive positives have come out of it. Yeah, that's really good. And yeah, I like I like that. That's always my favorite of the final three because I think. It's really important for people who might be going through a stressful time. To be honest, for myself, I'm going through a stressful time at the moment. And it's nice to think, well, actually, I think you know, when I come out the other end, I'm going to be, you know, it'll be all right. I'll That's be in. It. Yeah, I'm kind of I, when I thought about speaking about moving to London at the start of the pod, I was thinking in like two months or three months time, I'm going to be in London in the flat that I found. I'm going to listen back to this and be like, there was no reason to be stressed. It's, it, fa- yeah. it's fine. And when you um, do move to London, you'll be more my way. So we'll have to meet up. Exactly. Exactly. We can listen to it together. And we'll be like, George, you're such an idiot. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and the final question of the final three questions is a phrase to live by. You are enough. Amazing. Simple as that. Yeah. Simple as that. I don't think we need to add anything to that. I think that's, yeah, take it on as at face value. That is, it is what it is. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you are enough. Um, exactly. And that's what, yeah, if you don't, if you don't feel like you are, you are. And it's just a matter of finding it and, and you will find it. So, Definitely. Mickey, Mickey, thank you so, so much for thank coming you for on the pod. I've enjoyed um, that. Yeah, it was really good. And and yeah, I, I always like speaking to you and we'll have to keep in touch as as per. I hope you, yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, and I hope to uh, speak to you soon. Um, everyone listening to the pod, as always, thank you so much for making it all the way through. And I hope to see you at the next one. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to that episode here at my minds we're trying to raise awareness for all the things that we speak about in this podcast so please if you can give it a share each and every one of you has the potential to help us with that also if you want to check out myminds.com please do you can see all our social media things on there and we'd love to have you contributing more as a part of our community thank you